Hey, welcome to this 10th edition of the Clarity Chat podcast. In today's session, I will discuss with all of you about challenges of change management in digital transformation. I will share with you interesting, different and sometimes funny case studies about managing positive change. I will be sharing the first principles of managing change. Keeping yourself anchored to these first principles in any situation will help you become a transformational leader. This is the 10th episode of Clarity Chat with I talking to you about some exciting experiences in change management. Welcome to Clarity Chat podcast. Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only 3 decades old but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success to help you decode the complexity, to help you leverage partners effectively, to help you partner with business more effectively, to help you manage change better, to help you attract talent. You get this clarity via experiences of CIOs and business leaders shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea. Welcome to the Clarity Chat podcast. So change management is one of the most important dimensions of uh, digital transformation. And we will come to why the subject is there and all of that. But before we start, let me clarify that, you know, there are many service offerings and many consulting organizations and experts on change management. I'm not going to go into the theoretical and program management aspects of them, which they will be generally offering. What we're going to talk about here is that you as a leader or as an aspiring leader, what are those first principles you need to follow to be a change catalyst? You will be driving a transformation program or a digital transformation program. And I want to help you. How do you drive it successfully? So this is for all of you leaders and future leaders out there. Now, as I share with you my experiences, please feel free to tell me about your observations about change management. Uh, you would have witnessed or participated in transformation programs. Well, there would be programs where change management was successfully done or where it was not so successfully done. Share with me your observations and I will weave it into my presentation. So let's understand this, you know, again, uh, uh, my favorite catchphrase, first principles. Now, I think everything that the organization does in terms of a transformation program is always with the intent of growth uh, or progress. So why why is there a fear? And let's let's look at that basic human concept of fear, where fear comes, and that is uh, amygdala. So amygdala is this very small, you know, bean-sized element of our brain, which is inside, which is deep inside our hypothalamus, which drives the flight, fight or flight response. So, you know, everything, every change that happens in your life or every change that's thrown to you becomes that sort of tiger that you see here. You know, it's like either fight or flight. Either you say that, hey, you know, this is all nonsense or you say that, no, I'm going to sabotage it or I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm just going to fight it. Now, 
this amygdala, this is very important to understand from a change management point of view, that a human mind hates surprises. A human mind hates change. And this is the hundreds, hundreds of thousands years of programming inside our brain where, you know, our only purpose or reaction always used to be survival. A human being was always up against, you know, whether it was nature, whether it was wild animals. So what I covered so far was, I think this is my first slide. What I covered so far was, you know, the reason why change management is important. And we were talking about the concept of amygdala. Amygdala is that bean-sized, tiny portion of our brain which drives the fight or flight response and to anything that changes around us. And this is like the hundreds of years, thousands of years of programming of the human brain where our 90% of our time was around survival. And we were up against nature, uh, wild animals, and, you know, anything, anything and everything sounded like affecting our survival. And that's where this tendency comes from, where we uh, look at everything, you know, with fear. So what's the message here? The message here is that Change will always be uh, fearful for the mind. How do we be, how do we get the change management? How do we manage change if the mind is always going to be fearful? And therefore, I think the answer is that to connect to heart. Okay? So two things. Uh, the most important thing, therefore, is empathy. You know, we must understand where our users' fears are coming from. We should turn it around into. You know, something which is fun, which is, you know, which connects to their aspirations. So think about connecting to people's aspirations as well as allaying their fears. And all of this is, you know, through active communication. And uh, most importantly, before you do that, before we go there, it's basically empathy uh, with people who are going to be affected. So it's all about empathy and connection, connecting with their aspirations, understanding their fears. And very importantly, uh, what we see nowadays, uh, a different problem is that there's so much of overload of communication. How do we make people understand what we are communicating or even notice what we are communicating? And therefore, my message to you as a person, as a leader is be different okay? make it fun, make it human make it light and get noticed, get a mind. You are fighting for the mind share of your uh, users or audience. And, you know, some of the stories that I'm going to tell you here are a combination of, you know, how do you do it really thoughtfully as well as how you make it fun. So let me now move to our case studies. So my first one is, my first one is, uh, you know, uh, Office 365 implementation. Um, that was way back, way back in 2014, we implemented that in, uh, my organization, India's largest automobile company. And uh, well, at that time, I think post-pandemic, everybody understands, you know, what is uh, video meetings and what is file sharing, uh, what's uh, OneDrive, what's Skype and, and everything. I think back then, the only means of collaboration people knew was email. And uh, what we were trying to do was to go beyond email and get people into this habit of, you know, using cloud as a means of storage, using uh, Skype for business, or it was called Link at that time for meetings instead of like trying to gather everybody uh, into a conference room. But then, you know, people were very happy with their new 50 GB mailboxes. But even before uh, we started, uh, we had a big challenge. The challenge was that we were on Exchange 2003 and, you know, the whole path to migrate 
to Office 365 was a two-step one. We, we, I think, had to first upgrade on-premise to Exchange 2010 or Exchange 2013. And then only we could move to Office 365 on cloud. And that means two downtimes. And the whole discussion in my team was how do we bell the cat? Uh, how do we tell the users that it's going to be... Uh, a downtime twice over. And again, as I as I advised, we thought differently. We said, how do we make it? How do we make it different? How do we connect to the users? And we said, this is just too complex. People are not going to understand it on email. And uh, we decided to leverage the call center that we had. Uh, we figured out that you know our call center makes like you know thousands of calls every day. And uh, I think you know uh, migrating uh, mailboxes for twenty five thousand users, even if we have to make a few calls, it's not going to really require uh, too much of efforts. So we co-opted the call center. We had two of the best people uh, we identified from the join end user services team, and these guys they started. Uh, we sort of developed a process with them that every user will get a call with a script that hey, uh, this is the date you're going to get migrated. Uh, you're going to have a bit of a downtime. And then again, you're going to have a bit of a downtime and uh, have you understood? And then we kind of also tried to, we also tried to use this entire personal connect with the user as an exercise in taking feedback. So we asked the users, you know, do you have any concerns? You know, do you have any concerns about the, uh, about the state of your desktops or laptops? Is there something that you want to convey back to our end user services team? And as you know, the call centers run in a very, very systematic manner with very clear SOPs and processes. So everything was automatically going very, uh, in a very, very uh, nicely laid out manner. And we were able to uh, get that feedback about the machines and uh, about their machines. Uh, people appreciated. I think first time ever, people got a call from IT, a personal call from IT. And that really, you know, really burnished our brand. So this is an example of thinking differently, uh, leveraging a different capability uh, inside your organization and making it happen. So let me go back to... Let me go back to what were some of the other things that we did. And uh, this was, well, I was trying to share my screen. So this was a cartoon strip we rolled out. And this was to celebrate our early adopters. Again, I said, you know, we have to connect to their aspirations. We have to connect with them at an emotional level. We conceptualized cartoon strip, which had real characters. So the people that you see here, Kedar and Ankit, they are all real people. And uh, one of them was an adopter and he was like sharing what he's able to do with Office 365 with his, with his colleagues, his or her colleagues. And we encourage users to send us their adoption stories, converted them into this kind of a, of a strip, and we called it Mangal Gyan. So let me take you into the design, designing fun seriously. So this was uh, fun stuff. I think very quickly this caught on and people used to wait for it every Tuesday. So if you remember back then, Mangal Yan had got launched and uh, it had created a huge amount of buzz in terms of the first interplanetary mission from India and being a successful one at that. So we just used that and rhymed it as Mangal Gyan. And then we, uh, we brought it out every Tuesday morning. There were real work scenarios. There were actual names and locations. And if you see this was the subject line. So everything was very, very carefully and thoughtfully designed. The subject line, which is very catchy, which catches people's attention. And as soon as you open it, you see a cartoon. So you kind of get glued to it. And then there is a call to action. Uh, then there is a one paragraph story here, which is 
really what happened you know in other times we would just write this story and let it let people uh, read it which with which they would not so the cartoon is to catch attention then you narrate the story and then there's a call to action which is to you know to, to make people click on a training program and finally there is sustaining the momentum which is crowdsourcing uh, these uh, stories um, uh, so we would encourage people to share their stories their adoption stories now we didn't stop at that and we decided to we decided to go one one step beyond and did something so let us play the video are aapko to kya hamari chinta sari duniya ka data rakhte 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 main to tang aa gaya hu kya baat kar rahe are kisi ne kuch pucha to dhoondna mushkil abadi jo bad gayi hai kya kare bahut pareshani hai acha khair chodo ek baat bataiye ha suna hai aajkal aap cloud mein hi rehte hai देखिए चित्रगुप्ता जी ये एनिमल ऑफिस 365 क्या है हमको थोड़ा विस्तार से समझा दीजिए तो अच्छा होगा क्यों नहीं सबसे पहले जो आपका मेल क्लाउड में है पूरे 50 गीगाबाइट का है 50 गीगाबाइट इम्पॉसिबल बिल्कुल इम्पॉसिबल संभव है अरे कैसे संभव है देखिए आपका मेल सेफ कभी बाउंस नहीं होगा अच्छा दुनिया में आप कहीं भी रहो पढ़ पाओगे लेकिन इंटरनेट कनेक्शन चाहिए अच्छा इंटरनेट कनेक्शन से पढ़ पाओगे और तो और आपको वन ड्राइव मिलता पूरा वन टेराबाइट का जी हाँ वन टीवी का अच्छा जहाँ आप अपने सारे महत्वपूर्ण डेटा रख सकते हो नारायण नारायण अच्छा अरे बिल्कुल अच्छी बात है सर जी मैं भी थोड़ा सा इसके बारे में थोड़ा बता दू क्यों नहीं देखिए इसमें लिंक ऑडियो और वीडियो चैट की सुविधा भी उपलब्ध है और तो और आप ज्वाइन मीटिंग भी कर सकते हैं फाइल शेयर कर सकते हैं बिल्कुल सही कहा देवेंद्र जी आप तो फेसबुक पे हो ही नारद जी को फेसबुक की जरूरत ही नहीं है आ, क्यों क्यों भला क्यों ये तो चलते फिरते सोशल नेटवर्क है अच्छा 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 लेकिन ऐसा ही एक वेबसाइट टाटा मोटर्स देती है तो कौन सा वेबसाइट नाम है यामर अच्छा यामर नारायण नारायण अरे चित्रगुप्ता जी जरा ये भी बता दीजिए कि ये जो फाइल से आप कहीं से भी शेयर कर सकते हो चाहे मोबाइल हो या लैपटॉप घर हो या ऑफिस देश या विदेश बिल्कुल सही कहा कहीं भी रहो चौबीस घंटा तीन सौ पैंसठ दिन अरे यार अरे चित्रगुप्ता जी आपने तो इतने से समय में हमको इतनी सारी चीजें हम सम, समझा दी मुझे तो लग रहा है टाटा मोटर्स के ये भाग्यवान कर्मचारी इन सब सुविधाओं का जल्दी लाभ उठाएंगे और यश प्राप्त कर लेंगे बिल्कुल सही कहा नारद जी ओह so we are back please do write in comments how you like this small video this was a, almost a 15 minute flash mob which i edited out into just about a one and a half uh, minute file uh, looking forward to your comments now let's go to uh, you know the next uh, set of case studies that i have here uh, in fact you know when i yesterday posted about uh, our clarity chat today and we talked about and i said that i'm going to talk about change management people uh, i got a lot of messages in groups that you know especially when it comes to dealerships and suppliers how does change management uh, really work because it's one thing to do it for your people and and completely another to uh, do it for suppliers and dealers so this is you know uh, one program that i did this was a, incidentally my entry into it where we were supposed to roll out crm to 5000 uh, dealers almost uh, 50000 users and you know eventually we ended up having about 10000 analytics users across dealerships and and data motors 
and uh, there was about a thousand people call center that was set up. So this was, I think, uh, mother of all programs, and I can say that this was one of the life learnings or you know life project that I had. Uh, it covered everything right from your pre-sales, sales, spare parts, loyalty, service, used vehicles, warranty, and uh, this intended to actually replace the entire dealer system's backbone and and then bring it onto a central system. In 2003, when there were plenty of network challenges, the dealership processes were not uniform. There were vast differences out there, and uh, there were very, very education levels at our dealership. So, <laughs> you know, the the best example that uh, we still remember is that you know when we were doing a training program for dealership, and this was like you know uh, in the interiors and computers were not that popular even then in the hinterland. And uh, people were asked to take their, so when people were asked to take their mouse to the top of the screen, they would pick up this mouse and they would take it to the top of the screen. That was part of the CRM folklore that we were uh, building. So the first thing, uh, you know, we learned is that, listen, the entire change management question starts with Marosu, which is what is in it for me? Now, everybody right from your dealership, people who were doing transactions to their managers, to the general managers, to the proprietors, to our people who were managing the dealership, we used to call them dealer account managers or service managers. And then, you know, the zonal managers, regional managers, and then the headquarters. We kind of figured out that, listen, uh, if this program has to be successful, each one in the entire chain has to find that what is in it for me. And that has to be really compelling for them. Well, we were starting at the dealerships to uh, set up a complete dealer management system. So while one of our, while our team of business analysts studied the process, at the ground level, our uh, our team leads went and met the managers and tried to understand what their pains are. So, you know, while the focus at the end transaction level was on productivity, the focus of managers was on reports and operational controls. Uh, you go further up and uh, again, you know, the, um, it is MIS on steroids. Uh, very interestingly, the moment you go further up, which is at the dealership proprietor level, every dealership had multiple branches. Each of these branches was running with, you know, a local accounting system of their own, typically Delhi. And uh, their challenge was consolidating this entire information, you know, across their multiple branches. So we had a multi-pronged strategy to design the system for each one of them in such a way that that everybody feels that yes you know this is serving some of my need i want to bring one example to you here which was uh, this uh, you know typically when you implement a system the analytics comes in the second phase and we didn't want to hold back the data that we were generating we did not really want to hold back that power of analytics from our from the dealership managers so what we did was we designed uh, certain downloads okay views from where they could download the entire information and you won't believe it. We ran Excel pivot table training programs for them. And we created a process where they could, there would be one sheet, which will be the, where you will keep the raw data. And there'll be another sheet, which will have the pivot table, different reports. And all you need to do is basically download the data and just, uh, you know, populate the first sheet and just refresh the second sheet and you will have your pivot table report generated for you. This was a stopgap arrangement. Later on, we came up with analytics, proper analytics. We gave the access to as many users as we could from a hardware performance limitations point of view. We later on changed the hardware when we found that people were really loving their ability to uh, utilize the data. Well, uh, that's for a later day. Now, then comes to, you know, again, very important part of change management is communication. So there is a question here 
can i get this video i'll see i think this should be on my youtube channel but you can check it out there should be there okay so coming back to communications now very important part of change management now i jokingly say that it was in like 2004 or 5 and you know i went from my air my airline loyalty status blew to gold in like 6 months time so i was like going around one state capital to another state capital jet setting around and communicating the entire vision and uh, roadmap and execution plan of crm players so what we were doing was really like you know just calling all the dealers of the state and communicating to them i think it just took one or two of those sessions for me to realize that you know what this needs to be architected differently so here is the process that i adopted then so when i got into a state capital i would first spend about half an hour 45 minutes with the regional manager who would also travel that place uh, we typically meet over a breakfast or a, and and i would really uh, communicate the entire thing to him and uh, answer all kinds of questions that can come i was always looking for the session to be as long as possible for the regional manager to develop that conviction then we said no we are not going to call the dealers right away in we called all the all the company managers uh, sales service etc uh, we called them into the same place so the first half of the day would be communicating the entire vision to them answering their questions and generating a conviction in them then there would be lunch when the dealers would be joining us and this is the time you know our people will be interacting with them and dealers would kind of pose all sorts of questions and doubts to our and and hopefully they got some good convincing answers and then in the afternoon we would have the dealers and the litmus test for us is was that after a good lunch after a good five star lunch people shouldn't sleep and the way we designed the whole process i think nobody slept so can it be done in a different sequence is sequence so important in my view yes uh, if i do not sit right in the morning with the regional manager and develop his conviction can he communicate convincingly to uh, his own managers probably not if we reverse the sequence that we call the dealers first and our people later will it work probably less effective so the whole thing was very very thoughtfully designed keeping in mind the informal interactions that would happen during that entire day between people so chat with the regional manager before our managers come in the regional manager has informal chats with people and kind of excites them and then all of these guys together during the lunch time they meet the dealers and say hey you know what something big is coming something really good and big is coming and then and that process got formalized and repeated so there is a strategy around the communication what we were doing and how we designed the whole but there was a tactical way to also communicate but eventually think of it it is the empathy and the connect and looking at what kind of observing closely and being able to think closely about how those conversations are happening which really made that kind of communication effective okay let me move to the next story please keep your comments coming as i said right in the beginning that you know you would have seen examples of of initiatives and transformations which worked which did not work and when you think you know there was effective change management and there was not please do write in your comments and then and then and then i'll weave it into my narrative so let's move to the next one which is you know generating advocacy now when you are going out to the dealers you still have to do change management on steroids and you still have to answer a lot of questions so we again went back to the strategy table and we said how do we make it a self sustaining uh, a self sustaining program 
and we actually went daring into it by the time we had that level of conviction in what we were doing we said let's pick up the five largest and most complex dealers each one of them had, had at least about 10 branches and we said we are going to really make it happen for them we are not really looking at numbers we are looking at generating that conviction again so each of these dealers we took one at a time and we said we are going to do whatever it takes for you okay? and sometimes it meant multiple releases for each one of them but they could see that how fast and how well we were moving towards making their requirements happen Now the beauty of this kind of a central system that we were putting in place uh, was that whatever we do for one dealer becomes available to the next uh, all the dealers, and uh, and 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 that's why we said you know we are going to do everything that we can because it's going to be really working for uh, all the future implementations. The only quid pro quo or the only barter we made with them. is that listen once we do it for you and once we make you happy okay we want you to handle the dealer calls if a dealer proprietor calls us we'll say why don't you talk to this dealer and they were more than happy to do it they were more than happy to do it so one dealer two dealers five largest dealers we made it happen and you won't believe it within a couple of months the word was out and we had dealers coming to us saying that listen we have got a communication from our regional office that your deployment is scheduled in december but you know what can you please shift it by 4 months and we would smile and say that okay we'll talk to your regional office so it's uh, you know generating conviction with people who are most demanding now this is again turning you know certain things on on their head you know people talk about about quick wins but sometimes you know you have to go for the hardest wins first if the change management challenge is the biggest i've had you know more such stories where i took the most demanding of the stakeholders and engaged with them and generated trust with them and and we did everything to make them successful and they became our evangelists now i think there is one before i go forward there is one big message in that in this and which is that which is of trust now if you are just doing if you are just a cog in the wheel for a initiative if you if you are doing an initiative just to put in your resume i don't think that will generate trust you have to really do it with all your conviction you have to really do it with the for the sake of making a difference and you know and and that conviction shows on your face when you are communicating to the users uh, when you are going about out and about there telling people why you should be using it so that was about generating advocacy making the biggest dealers successful and taking their help to drive the change management so uh, here is a comment from vijay saying the country wide program would have called for many course corrections while remaining to the original purpose of crm rollout can you give some examples of such course correction of course in fact you know we knew that we are going to get all kinds of changes as we go out for the dealers so we did a few things the first thing was you know that taking the most complex and the largest of dealerships so that we get a we are able to cover something like a pareto of all these uh, complex scenarios that would come elsewhere and uh, so so process wise we could cover the most of it the second thing we did was very early on we started setting up our operations processes and one of the operations processes acknowledged that 
there is a variety of dealers and they would have their requirements so we should be ready to uh, make these uh, changes for their sake and uh, again you know internal change management when when our own team says why should we make so many changes for uh, for the dealers i think we had a very convincing answer for that that you do it for one dealer's uh, feedback on one dealer's feedback and it becomes available to everybody else so the answer to your question is to set up a very strong support and change management process we had uh, release uh, management setup back then in 2004 5 the itil wasn't that popular but just understanding what our users wanted and how we need connect terms of you know sort of increasing their trust in the system we we actually set up these uh, itil processes we didn't know it was called itil back well let's move on to the next one and i think the one of the most important ones which is you will always have adversaries you will always have people whose power you are going to destabilize and in our case these people were our system administrators hey i am your podcast host jagdish belwal i had a rich career as cio at tata motors and ge now as an advisor i help organizations transform with technology technology is necessary for digital transformation but not sufficient so i help organizations with the rest of it leadership strategy culture change management etc you can connect with me on linkedin and twitter for now keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on linkedin so every dealer had an it head now this it head handcrafted the entire it systems of the dealership this guy had all the keys to the safe called information why should why should he or she help you know a bunch of managers from tata motors disrupt the whole equation and render him powerless so we were most worried about the dealer system administrators the it heads of the dealership that they could be our biggest saboteurs and no disrespect meant it is just you know an instinct of self preservation so we uh, we again went back to the drawing board and we said listen you know what i mean they'll be afraid why not we make it really aspirational for them why don't we put them on a pedestal why don't we tell them that guys without you we cannot do it and uh, you know and and sort of put some rewards on the table not really monetary ones okay but let's but in terms of recognition in terms of you know uh, name and fame and, and all of that so we designed a very so we started by designing a very special training program for them now everybody else we would do state level training programs these people we had central training and we made them fly all the way everybody had a two or three day training program we designed a seven day training program for them or, or a five or six day training program for them you know we had senior people of i mean i myself used to come in those training programs and tell them how important the program is we were very clear telling them that listen all these fox pro based systems that you are that you that you have developed or that you are developing you know you can develop a completely different capability of a civil system administrator okay and develop a completely different professional profile for yourself if and if you are able to let go of your affections for your home grown system and for your baby called this fox process and really engaged very closely with them as i said we put them on a pedestal a very important thing was that we did not reduce their powers one of the biggest cornerstones of change management is the power equations and you know how visibly or invisibly you try to shift them how you try to take powers away from people 
and people don't like it and we didn't do it so we had a custom delegated administration module in the system where a deal a complete rights of you know creating users or changing their roles or you know master data maintenance or you know certain uh, organization wide reports all of these things were you know given to them in a very special uh, administration module and we also make made them responsible for the level 1 support and this was a win win because you know one feeling of power that you get is also that you know whether people come to me for support their problems or not and every problem solver is a has a different uh, power pro- profile in an organization and we didn't really one we didn't really want to handle everything uh, centrally otherwise we would have like a you know 500 people support team and so we also uh, you know gave them the level 1 support rights so that people still approach them and uh, you know nothing happens to their organization profile as such okay now i think the the, the last point that i want to make here in this uh, in the crm case study here is is the fact that many a times these projects they fail to you know make a sustainable impact on the organization because you have not really people have not really given sufficient thought to convert that into operations we knew very well that you know we are promising something to the dealers we better have a very robust operations you know in place otherwise people will stop using so and we uh, and in the process we said that we want to treat our dealerships as our as our customers and a crm before it can really change make a difference in your customers life it should make a difference to your internal customers life and which is your dealers okay so but let me ask you you know how many of you think that have seen uh, cases where you know a project failed because it was not successfully translated into uh, operations uh, if you have seen something like this please share your thoughts on the comments and uh, i would like to sort of other people to know that that you know this this is an this is a topic that really connect as i had earlier mentioned we put a very strong release process now part of that release process uh, the first release notes that i came out was nothing but you know an excel of change requests but it was purely technical uh, i remember i wrote the first release notes coming out of crm ever with my own hands converting this entire excel into uh, from a user's point of view so we had a very friendly release communication we set up a release process so people felt confident that listen if something is not there today you know i give a feedback and i give uh, strong reasons for getting something developed it will get into a pipeline and it will get into a release now this one the next one i'm going to talk about was really to generate that trust and conviction in our within the tata motors fraternity that we are not here to like you know come change, uh, do some changes at a dealership and go away so we were tracking the effectiveness of the deployment so we were tracking that you know hey how many days since the dealer generated a sales invoice or a service invoice how frequently are people uh, using the system and we found, and we sort of created a you know a utilization dashboard a deployment dashboard which we were sharing with our people the regional managers and all and uh, if those efforts did not work at uh, if typical efforts did not work you know talking to them calling them in improving that uh, 
uh, we actually sent it okay to uh, make those uh, uh, i mean go park themselves there understand the issues whether it is process issues whether it is organizational dynamics issues and do whatever it takes to get that dealer back live so we have gone to some dealers you know more than once to get them back on the system now here's an interesting aspect which we connected with you know our deployment teams aspirations also this was more of an internal change management now if a system is not being used there will be organizational complexities more often than not why it is not being used tell me if you have a cup your cup of tea with you i have mine so we actually hand picked the best of the best of our uh, deployment people and we call them as black cats black cat commandos did a special training to them a lot of that training was on soft skills was on understanding the organization dynamics understanding how power equations play out uh, in an organization etc etc and uh, these people of course had a flair for that and that's how they were picked and uh, then we sent these people out there and this became a sort of a special op- operations team for us for 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 any complex problems thereafter uh, somewhere i talked about you know sending out uh, our people behind the bikes of sales people to study to uh, spend a day in their lives while they were our black cat so i'll i'll stop here for a minute i have a comment from sandeep batra saying that we had a similar experience in manufacturing areas that projects got delayed or even couldn't get completed due to improper communication or handling the stakeholders yes uh, sandeep uh, talked about it that you know you have to cover each one of them with a clear understanding of marosu what is in it for me and if people are not clear or if you do not actively and proactively communicate to them that what is in it for them uh, it will be uh, difficult to make them adopt something just by decree or by force so i have another question uh, for vijay thank you for your response jagdish one follow up question did you manage to be within the budget uh, don't ask me for the budget i think it was a very strategic program yes we always had to be within the budget but then um, our 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 whole purpose was objective was to generate the conviction that we had within the rest of the entire organization whether it was dealerships whether it was our uh, regional office people or whether it was the senior management and uh, i think it was a multi year program it was about 5 years to execute it and every year we actually went back with the successes with the impact that we had made and we asked for some more budgets and and we got it uh, we were augmenting technology all the time and uh, you know it says that you know success begets begets success and uh, no better example than this one where every year what management saw in terms of the impact that we were making it wasn't uh, really very fast in the beginning but they saw that we are on the right track and our budget requests were granted uh, one was conviction and second was you know our ability to communicate the impact i hope that answers your question so uh, another one from comment from sandeep it's a challenging task but if you convince your critics first then actually they will propagate and act as a strong advocates for to take your cmp for absolutely sandeep you know anybody who doesn't care will not even care to critique you so people who who are giving you a critique means that they care means that they have some investment in uh, in in you and therefore like you know i would always like to trust these people engage with them try to convince them you know try to make work course corrections listening to them and uh, that's very important once you are able to tell them that listen hey i am a well meaning guy and our objectives are different you know our approaches may be different but our objectives are the same i think it works now coming back to you know operationalizing a project again a very important part in generating that conviction people will always look at it how you are how this is going to play out in the long term 
the most important one was organizational anchors is basically you know looking around the organization and say that hey who else can benefit from whatever i am doing or who else where can i put these anchors to basically make it work in the long term so i'll give an example here the some of the incentive programs you know for the dealers that used to run were based on you know the dealers submitting a lot of data to our sales finance team and the sales finance team verifying this data which was typically you know invoices and all of that and then passing on the incentive claim when we were searching for organizational anchors because we knew that alone we cannot sustain it we need many hands on the deck who have to basically work with dealers or who exert a certain amount of power and influence on the dealers as well as organization processes and policies that work at the deal, that uh, you know are working at the dealership we will need all of that to really make it sustain sustainable i went to the sales finance head uh, joe's friend jawar said i don't know whether here or not in this chat but maybe whenever we mention him in the chat i went to him and said that listen uh, you guys are getting all these physical invoices and excel statements and all and then you know there's a whole between which is uh, passing on these uh, incentives so why don't you why don't you do it from crm and you won't believe despite all the communication and everything he still did not have a full idea of what crm is all about so we organized a session for him we showed him like you know how these processes are run how we have fail safe all the processes you know of invoicing and all of that and uh, that kind of generated conviction again and uh, you know he said that yes we are going to now pass all the incentives from here very quickly another opportunity came which was if you remember every 28th february uh, you know all factory gates will close and first march there will be a budget and in the budget they will always keep you know uh, making the excise duty go up and down and uh, the deal between uh, the channel partners and 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 the oems was that whatever is your dealer inventory uh, if there is excess excise paid on that you will compensate because you can because then you will have to lower your market prices where the duties have already been paid i <laughs> By that time, I think Jawahar understood the whole power of the system and the process, and he said, "The Jagdish, can I get a All India inventory of dealers' vehicles on CRM as on 28th, 12 a.m.?" I said, "Why not?" So he got the inventory out, gave him the statement, and then uh, nobody had to raise a claim, nobody had to do any paperwork, and based on that statement, the, the you know whatever compensations were made to the dealer. You know, all of these things basically multiplied the number of people in. side the organization who were benefiting from this initiative and made sure that you know all of these people have a say and an enforcement in the entire so so don't underestimate policies don't underestimate your power to uh, create policies and uh, and leverage others so now as we uh, you know come to the end of the hour well you know with my guests i take the liberty of going beyond the hour uh, is because just because the discussion is like so compelling i want to restrict myself here so i'll move to the you know the final part of it what are the key takeaways and uh, so uh, all of what i told you in this live chat i want you to i want to summarize in these uh, six points so first is i think i used conviction a lot of time we have to co-opt conviction we have to make we have to 
how people develop that type of conviction that we have as program managers, right? From right from your shop floor to top floor, or uh, right from your management to the frontline worker. Then respect and empathize. We have to learn about people. We have to give respect to gain respect. We have to trust people to gain their trust. Aspire for for perfection. People are looking at your intent. They are not looking at perfection. So you may start with something imperfect, but if you have the listening and learning mechanisms in place, if you have the continuous improvement mechanisms in place, for example, you know the release process that we talked about, right? People see that hey, this is not a uh, you know one match wonder boy, and this guy is there for a long term like Sachin Tendulkar, and this guy is going to continuously improve, okay? and and that's when they really start trusting you. Now this is very important because there are a plethora of you know organization programs and initiatives which are going around and people see very clearly and very very perceptively as to which ones are serious that means which ones have these elements and which ones are like you know people are doing for writing in their resume or people are doing for like you know coming in the company newsletter so next one is constancy of complexity so we have to bring complexity inside keep it simple for the users i talked about you know this uh, getting two call center people inside the team making these calls to the users for the two different downtimes for the office 365 implementation now you could have simply sent an email to them that listen this is this is what it is and they would have to deal with all the complexity and all the questions so we brought the complexity inside and we kept it simple for them for example when you look at this example of you know mangal gyan it was fairly it wasn't a, a usual corporate process of sending a newsletter we had to actually pay somebody money to 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 develop those cartoons we had to think about we had to think and brainstorm about how to perfect that design so so we are bring complexity inside whether it's uh, thinking about solving complex problems how to design you know how to make it simple for the so the moment you start thinking about how to keep it simple for the users you will start doing these complex brainstormings and discussions yourself but it it works in 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 simplifying your change management uh, challenge uh, sustain and operate yeah don't look at simply uh, you know doing a project and thinking that you know people will use it you have to set up the operations processes the continuous improvement processes the processes that users expect out of you even while you are building and finally every one of us who's driving a large change program has the power to define the policies it's like hanuman that we do not you know realize this power or somebody has to remind us that hey you know what you can make this policy and policies are always your fifth gear to sustain the changes that you've already made and the last secret i think it is no longer a secret we show i showed you many uh, examples of this have fun energize everyone and expand the pie of growth so don't look at you know taking uh, don't 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 have these credit related questions because when you're doing something big when you're doing something worthwhile okay, the the biggest criteria of doing something worthwhile is that there's an unlimited pie and as you know people as as the organization benefits from it everybody benefits from it so you don't really have to compete for a share of pie you really build the entire pie together you expand the pie together it's a it's a game of collaboration I hope you loved it as much as I did sharing my own experiences in change management real practical if yes please do subscribe to the clarity chat podcast it's available on all major podcasting platforms well next week i will be talking to you on a very important topic 
about engaging the leaders in digital transformation. So watch out for our next clarity chat on engaging the leaders. Mm-hmm.